Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting rehearsal this week, and it's our season finale! Woo! Woo! Now wait a second, Jeremy, where is everybody else? I don't see anybody else around. Where, what happened to them? Well, I think we sent them out of this rehearsal, and it's really just about us right now. So we're going to wrap up the first season with some of the best moments. We will find out what made Christine say... Oh, you have to remember that at times, in certain situations... There is a bit of a divide in what happens at the college marching band compared to what is expected at the high school level. Okay. And what Jeremy said. She recognizes that being a female um, is is a big deal in in this world. So I'm, I'm super impressed. All this and more. So get out on the field and we will see you back on the sidelines for this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. Well, No, I'm not. I'm Jeremy Williams, and I'm here with the amazing other producer, Christine Reeves. Say hello, Christine. Hey, how's it going? Good. So glad you could be here with with me today. Um, As we give the hosts the week off, you know, Bantober happened. We've been working them hard for a full year now, if you can believe it. I mean, I know you can believe it because... We put together the show every single week. Um, all that behind the scenes. You're absolutely right. And yeah, it takes it definitely takes a village to pull this off. Yeah. It's a it's a great team, though. It's a fabulous team of people. Uh, the, the text chat flies and flies and flies. And um, there's lots of good stuff. So it's it's kind of fun to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to like take a look back over the over the fifty episodes, fifty one episodes. I guess this is this is episode fifty two. So uh, episodes fifty and fifty one were our top fifty shows of the um, of the year, which I thought was pretty terrific. Um, so yeah, there was an awful lot to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's great, and I think, um, I, I, I think it was Stephen or somebody even said. Like it's great that our our conversations weren't just around you know WGI DCI and BOA, oh. but there was just so many other performances. Absolutely, I think that's one of the really great things about this podcast is that we're really branching out uh, into a lot of things that are happening in the marching arts at all levels and in different um, aspects and genres and all kinds of things like that. I think that's really a positive because a lot of times the spotlight does get shed on, you know, the top of DCI or the top of WGI and stuff like that. And we're really exploring some other things. Everybody's learning, everybody's sharing. Um, There's a lot of great experiences that people are having and, and, you know, sharing with each other. So I think it's really positive. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that the hosts gush and go on about like a lot in those two in those two past episodes is just how much they have been learning and how much more they are paying attention. I mean, Stephen and Tom paying attention to Color Guard. Stephen's like, I just would never. <laughs> He's like marching band. I just would never. He's like, he was like a total indoor drumline kid, and now is like branched out into all these other things because of this podcast. It's like pretty phenomenal, you know. Even what it's doing for the hosts, and hopefully then what it's doing for everybody who's listening because really this is just about you know you listening to this on the way to rehearsal you 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 listening to this you know um as you're wrapping those flags or as you're stringing that marimba you know just or like- as, right or as you're on that long drive to that next ju- that next judging gig or whatever it is yeah absolutely there's a lot of really cool ways that i think people are interacting with the show um even if they are you know, no matter how they're involved in the marching arts, if they're an instructor, if they're a judge, um, if they're somebody who's involved in design, um, you know, even people who are just fans or yes. 
you know, at one time participated in the marching arts and still want to feel some sort of connection. And if they don't happen to have a connection right now by being involved directly in some sort of organization, then maybe they can at least listen to this conversation and still feel that connection. Or if they're in a situation, maybe that there aren't shows nearby them and they're not able to get to shows frequently just to be a fan and a spectator. This is a great way for them to connect as well. Yeah, and we're trying to connect all of the audiences, right? From twirling to HBCU to show bands to DCI to parades to WGI indoor wins to color guard. The the entire gamut is what we want right. to sort of sort of connect. Um, one of those biggest, the one of the biggest gamuts, I guess, um, out there that I don't think really gets as enough attention as it should, which is very odd to me, is the college marching band experience. Um, I become a huge proponent of the college marching band experience now teaching one very intimately at widener university i know you are a big college marching band person <laughs> yes that is my that is my bread and butter that is my heart and soul yeah. especially big 10 you know that's yeah. my thing and um, yeah absolutely and i think that's really important we you know for us to keep exploring that and bringing to light these stories of what's really happening with the college bands because yeah. you know a lot of times some of the college bands maybe don't get as much uh you know let's say uh tv time as we'd like them to oh, of course you know? tv time yeah. right of course not and we understand you know it's all because of licensing and all these other things and people complain oh why why don't we see the band more right, well because right, right. of licensing and all this other kind of stuff but there's that a lot probably. of really cool things happening out there with college bands yeah and you know it's a fantastic experience to have as a student whether you're a ma- uh, a music major or not and you know the the friendships and the connections you know last forever absolutely you know so it's it's a really really great thing i'm a huge person when it comes to college marching band absolutely so yeah yeah Yeah. and i mean there's so many of them there's so many college (laughs) marching bands there's so many people in college marching band it's just like crazy right Uh, one of the people that is in um a college marching band is will hazeltine and we had him on recently when he got to talk about his nil deal with the local um i guess convenience store out there quick trip so let's take a listen to a little bit of will's um telling us how this all came to be and will is a mellophone player from uh, the university of wisconsin's marching band yes let's take a listen so catch uh, our listeners up to speed tell us what this uh endorsement's all about yeah it's, it's a little bit of a crazy story um it started with quick trip it's a Midwest gas station, um, and so much more. I mean, they have groceries, they have gas, they have late night snacks, everything you can need for a college kid, especially. Yeah. And for a long time, because of some promotion I signed up for, I had uh, free coffee for a year and that was awesome. Um, but then that promotion ended. So I I lost my free coffee privilege. (laughs) So then seeking some way to continue to get a coffee, I emailed quick trip and I said, Hey, (laughs) it's a long shot. I know, but how do I get free coffee still? And and then I pitched the idea. I'm in the marching band at UW-Madison. That's a big platform. It's like potentially mm-hmm. there could be some sort of partnership here. Um, maybe some sort of NIL deal. I know that's a such new crazy thing in the world of right. college athletics, let alone not college athletics. And then it took a few months of, of waiting. Then they got back to me and they said, hey, we'd actually love to do this. We think you'd be a great candidate for it. You kind of embody the the atmosphere that quick trip wants to put out there as as a midwest person i was like great i mean i totally am (laughs) um (laughs) so then after some hoops to jump through over the summer we thought oh the football season starting up that's when college marching band season of course starts up what a perfect time to kickstart the whole thing and start making some content with quick trip I am just impressed by Will. And like, I know that like, I think Stephen hit it right on the head, I think is, is the one that brought it up as like, it's a scholarship in a sense, right? He's getting, you know, this free stuff that he wouldn't have had to, we otherwise would have had to pay for. And he has to put a, a little bit of work into it, just like you would any scholarship essay for any other scholarship. So I think that that's sure. like, 
the best. Yeah, yeah. Props to him for being, you know, so clever and innovative and having this idea and, you know, just being brave enough to just get out there and give it a shot and try and see what happened. I think he's inspiring some other young performers. I was say, since that interview, something else has come up, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, there was an, uh, it's it's the mellophones. It's <laughs> of course, it's the mellophones. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was Iowa's mellophone section. No, the entire se- uh, uh, mellophone section at Iowa. Then they jumped on something uh, with yet another company. Uh, and did their own <laughs> NIL agreement. So, you know, it's, it's, it's spreading and this is yeah. really great. So well, again, well, Blake, we will assume that our interview with Will Hazeltine inspired the Mellophones at Iowa to go out and get their own NIL deal. That is what is, we will take. We will take credit in some way, shape or form. For it them. is definitely possible. It is yeah, definitely absolutely. Possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one of our hosts, one of our like first add on hosts, actually, if we, if, I didn't even realize if you go back and look, one of our first episodes is actually the one about Nicole. Um, oh my gosh, I have to say that again. Oh my God, why did, okay. One of our previous episodes was actually about her, the one about Nicole Younger. I mean, can you believe we did a whole episode about Nicole Younger? And then right after that, I was like, you have to be a full-time host. And she was oh. like- this sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. I mean, you know, it was great to, to bring her on board and it was great to learn about all that she was doing with the cookout and all these other things. And then, you know, she's got a lot of great experiences and a lot of wonderful things to share. So absolutely. She's been a great she, addition. So for the month of February, we took on and she did an entire month celebrating uh, people of color in the activity. And one of those people, um, one of the first interviews that she did really kind of by herself, almost, I think, um, uh, was was with uh, Julian Williams. And Julian is a longtime adjudicator, color guard person, um, designer, uh, HBCU. I mean, he's literally... He's literally done it all. Yeah. He's literally done it all. And like, you know, the the fact that she 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 got to interview him and have such an amazing conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, here, we'll let her tell you yeah, about absolutely. it. We'll let sure. her tell you about it. Okay. This past February, I had the distinct honor of interviewing someone who has been a longstanding member of the marching arts community. And it was such a great thing to talk to someone who started in the marching arts community the year that I was born. So I could definitely see how much he's done throughout the years. And honestly, you name it, he's done it. DCI, WGI, marching band, HBCU. It just, the list goes on and on. Folks, (laughs) Julian Williams. We did our first parade, which was called the I Am an American Day Parade. We kept hearing this roar. Every time we did something, we kept hearing this roar. Of course, we're young kids. We don't, we don't, we're not paying attention to it. But it was for us because we, we sound good. But of course, we're, we're not educated to listen to ourselves. So we don't know we're sounding good because it's so many of us. But, you know, once we figured it out, everybody started mastering their craft. And, you know, independently, we started practicing at my house. Uh, people that live in um, West Baltimore, people live in South Baltimore started practicing in, uh, in the park. People in North Baltimore started practicing in the playground. And then we all gathered together and it just became one big, it just went one big brotherhood, man. It, it, was, it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And that's how I got started in drum corps. Well, we both know Julian very yes, well. We do. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic person, very genuine person. Yes, also, yes, I would yes, say. yes, yes. Yeah, and I was thrilled that we had him on. I mean, honestly, there were some things that I didn't know before. You yeah, know, I, I've spent time with Julian. You know, I've I've you know tailgated with Julian at DCIEs. You know, but I mean, I haven't had had the opportunity sometimes to really you know hear a lot of stories. Um, and his background, and I thought a lot of the things he had to share in the interview were just fascinating. Yeah, he's, and, yeah, he's amazing. He really, I mean, he really is just amazing. He really sure. is amazing. Yeah. Um, well, one of probably 
a very er- another early on episode that we did um, was the one about being a parent in band. So not being a band parent, although it might also be a band parent, but being a parent in band. And we had several uh, parents uh, who teach marching band and kind of talked about what their life was like um, teaching marching band. So let's take a little listen to, to a clip of that. important where do you draw the line and determine if a situation should be family first or marching arts first so i'm j- i would like to jump in as someone who has kids that have already you know grown up um i really think it's important to have teamwork in your home to help make it work and help find the balance um when our kids were little i did a lot less band so that i could be there to take care of the kids and since my husband was in a much more important position than me. He kind of took over, but now that we're both kind of equal, it's a lot of teamwork. It's a lot of who's going to pick up the girl today. Who's going to pack her lunch. And it's, we bounce that off of each other. Um, and we're really fortunate that we can work as a team. So I think that's really important when you're trying to find that balance. I know, I know for me, it's tough because I used to be by myself for the longest time teaching and writing and everything. So I would just like, all right, I can take my work home and I'll be like, good. But now, since I have a family and everything, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to really think because I got to be home by five o'clock mm-hmm. uh, and I got to cook dinner or else my wife's going to be mad or something, <laughs> you know? So that's the main thing. I got to get the kids ready for bed and everything. So it's like, I, you know, for me as a new dad, you can say, I'm learning the experience like, okay, now I have responsibilities and I got to really balance what I have to do at my school and then what I have to do at home. So I Yeah, I mean, it's really a big balance and it's a tough thing for some folks sometimes. Um, You know, and I think one of the things that was really great about a lot of the things we heard in those interviews is how uh, supportive other people were in, in those people's lives. Uh, how supportive the rest of the people in their organization were and how they, um, you know, just really brought everything together and made the experience really special, not only for the person who was the instructor or the designer or whatever, but then, you know, that child became part of the family. And, oh, you know, it reminds me of a story that I came across recently about a band in Texas. Uh-huh. I, I forget specifically which band that was, but um, I think we shared it on our social media, the article. But, you know, there was a band that they were in a hotel oh, over yeah. Halloween, you know, because yes. of the competition, right? Of and, you know, the young children of the band director were there and the kids of the band, you know, the band members themselves made sure that those children of the director got to go trick-or-treating in the hotel. Not just in door-to-door. Door. That is insane. Right. That was great. That was great. And it's definitely a balance. It's a tough decision for a lot of folks. It's a sacrifice. And, you know, when you are a music educator, you don't just have your own children, you know, (laughs) your students are your children too. And, you know, it's a tough thing. And, and doing what band directors do and what color guard directors do and percussion directors, all these people, it's a huge sacrifice of their time and their emotions and effort. And And, yeah, they do it because they love it. And, you know, there's that balance then as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I mean, this is the first year, um, this band camp year, this past band camp, um, that I really had my son, Oliver, who was about to turn seven at the time, um, like with me almost all the way through almost all of band camp. Uh, right. which was a challenge, right? But he is finally sort of at that age where he can be kind of, you know, by himself on do his own thing for a little sure. while. But I will tell you, I can't, well, I can't tell you how many times another staff member or another student like took him off to the side and played with him yeah. or like showed him an instrument or let him play on the percussion or whatever it was. Like he just had a good time. And it sure, did he disrupt rehearsal like 15, 20 times? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Like, but, but, but it was all okay. It was all okay. And it makes it way less serious. Right. And that's what I think we are all here to, to, to push on the world as much as possible is it's the marching arts. It's not that serious. Right. Like, 
yeah, we don't know about it, but it's it not that It builds the camaraderie, it builds the relationships, and it helps us focus on the fact that marching arts is an experience. It's a right. life experience. Right. And, you know, it, it can encompass, you know, our youngest generations and our oldest generations as well. And it brings people together. So that's Absolutely. that's the key. Yeah. Well, speaking about somebody who really brings somebody together, and one of obviously my favorite people in the entire world, uh, also being introduced by one of my favorite people in the world. So one of our hosts, uh, Beth Bacone, um, our resident college bandress, as we like to refer to her as, um, got the pleasure of interviewing um, uh, my favorite person, my mentor, my my person of everything, Todd Marcacci, um, as, back in sometime in April, I believe that was, I know it was, or maybe May, because I know it was right before he was about to do the Memorial Day Parade in Washington, D.C. Right. And it was such a great interview. It was over two episodes. So <laughs> if you have not gone and listened to that, episode, those two episodes, you really, 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 really need to. So right. I'm going to let Beth take it away. Hey everybody, it's Beth, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I had the utmost pleasure of chatting recently with Todd Marcacci. He is, if you don't know who he is, then you should probably Google him. Um, he is an amazingly creative and thoughtful and innovative designer that that just takes the world by storm with with every project that he works on. And he had an amazing story to tell us about how he, from a very early age, was putting parades on in his backyard. It was truly a labor of love for him. And he found his passion so early in life. And he has been able to carry it through to, to owning his own business and producing some of the biggest parades around the country. So take a listen to this interview we did with Todd Marcacci. I know the story inside now. I was uh, five years old, actually, and uh, my mom took me to the grocery store, and she said, what do you want to buy? And she, I said, a roll of crepe paper. And so she brought <laughs> a roll of crepe paper, and we went back to the house, and my grandfather had bought me a uh, farmall tractor that you um, – made it go like a bike yeah I mean, it was really nice it was made out of like whatever metal and stuff so i said i just need a roll of scotch tape mommy and i decorated the um tractor and i drove it down the sidewalk like i was having my own parade right after that <laughs> right after that i think it was about maybe a year later maybe a year later a parade literally this huge parade huge literally lined up on the streets right outside of our house and this was in saxton pennsylvania at the time and i mean there were bands from everywhere you can imagine around from you know western pennsylvania and the parade got canceled because of a thunderstorm that was coming through and oh, i was no. being mortified so it was like it was like that was my first experience of a parade being canceled literally in front of my eyes I'm right in front of you oh my god right in front of me. so then we moved uh right up the road to dudley pennsylvania and um we produced in the backyard three different parades for july 4th i taught my cousins how to march we built our floats <laughs> uh we had our assembly area we had our dispersal area um, we also then took um, all of the pallets from my father's beer distributor and turned them up flat and we painted, um, let's say, Grease, you know, the movie Grease. We painted yep. on that for Grease. We painted it for something else from the 70s. And then we eventually did a um, water and fireworks show in the backyard also. And it, uh, so we in your backyard? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, that that interview for me was a lot of stories. You know, I had heard, of course, I've been around Todd a while. Yeah, and I, sure. I've heard a lot of those stories, but a lot, a lot of um, like sort of the history and the base of him. Yes. Um, I had not heard. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. That's just some of my favorite parts of the interview. I mean, I am acquainted with Todd. You know, I've known him for several you know, for many years, not as well as maybe some other folks like you and Beth, but, you know, he's a, a fantastic person, a, an amazing creative mind and so much to offer. And, you know, again, a very genuine person. 
And that was the parts of the interview that I especially enjoyed is when he was talking about being a young child Mm -hmm. and all the ideas that he had in his head, even when he was so young. I just thought that was fascinating. And I thought it was just one of the greatest things to learn about him. Well, I don't think I've ever told anybody this story, at least like sort of publicly. And I've never even told him. Um, but it's kind of funny because I, I I do feel very much connected to Todd and I followed in his footsteps in a lot of ways in my career and sure. you know, how I model myself and all that kind of stuff. But but when while he was putting on his parades in his backyard, I was actually putting on carnivals in my really? backyard. Yeah. Like, Fully with the games and the rides and the, the, the <laughs> I had it all. So <laughs> I, I think I was already knew what I was supposed to be doing even then. So, uh, well, a, another pick um, is from uh, one of our main hosts, Stephen. And I know that this is um, this is this journey for Stephen, as he said several times, has been really fantastic. Um, uh, this on his on a water break journey, I guess, to say, because he really feels like he's really getting to learn a lot more than he ever thought he was going to in this activity just by being a host and just by listening and being involved. Sure. So, so what so his pick um he's he's getting it he's dipping his toe into d- into judging so his pick is one of the most re- one of the more recent um interviews we had um and it wasn't even a full interview with him but an interview with dan smith um where we um we had him on doing a little bit of recapping um some stuff for us um and and doing some uh some interviewing and dan just said such amazing things about being a judge and what it's like to be a judge and how to be a judge um but we'll again we'll let steven introduce him hey everyone it's steven from on a water break uh And I want to tell you about my favorite episode of On a Water Break this last year, which is the one about judges with Dan Smith, Mark Hoskins, and Paul Simondak. Uh, In that episode, we got to go really deep on adjudication in the activity, Uh, got to take some of our listeners' questions, uh, give our feedback on it, but more importantly, get answers from some of the pros. Um, Some of the folks on this call just have decades upon decades of experience. Um, So I loved that episode. I thought it was great. And you should check it out, too. It evolved from ticking on the field. That was only the field judges that did ticking. Okay. Uh, the upstairs effect judges wrote comments because we weren't even recording yet. This was late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Uh, Birmingham, we were trying yeah. the new system where we were putting everybody on a build-up system, but we, we didn't institute it with Montreal. But we continued to field trial it in Montreal, uh, 81, 82. Boy, I remember this. Wow. Um, (laughs) But we did a thing called Tick and Talk, where we actually started recording. So we put it down on the sheet, but we'd also say what it was. You know, what section, which individuals, and so forth, were out of step, phasing, uh, interval problems, so forth. Same thing musically. Third soprano, strum court, my gosh, uh, intonation <laughs> issues, not balanced with the seconds and first, so forth. But it was it, late 70s, early 80s, we made the transition. If I'm not mistaken, Dan, 84 was the first year it went subjective. Exactly. Which, okay. which is my, my age out year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 83, 83 I, I still remember uh, Barry Swain actually being on the field for music. In, 80, in 83 in Miami. So, Christine, do you know Dan? Have you worked with him? No, I haven't. But, I mean, you know, I think a lot of the things that were said are really relatable to anybody who has adjudicated um, in, in a variety of settings, okay? Yeah. And I guess what I mean by that is smaller circuits, larger circuits, um, you know, different genres, people who have done, you know, indoor judging or band judging or whatever it is, even parade judging. There's all kinds of aspects to it. And I think a lot of it was very relatable. Um, you know, there's really a lot of people don't realize what goes really goes into adjudication. Okay. And it makes me think of this past weekend, what our local circuit here, Cavalcade of Bands, finished up their uh, championship. I saw a lot of folks talking with each other online, 
But what really stood out to me is a lot of people were talking on social media with each other about what a privilege and an honor they felt it was to be an adjudicator. And it really kind of flips it around. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get that impression that it's we, the adjudicators are passing judgment on everybody. Right. No, we're really there. We're there because we care so much about the performers having a positive experience. We want them to grow. We want to help them. It's not the whole like, you know, let's break it down sort of thing. Well, yeah. and, to be, and let's be honest. I mean, a lot of that comes out of a lot of the, er, the judges are the, er, right? Yeah, yeah. Comes from the staff, you know, perpetuating something because <laughs> it's something that maybe they didn't like was said. Sure. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, and so now it's the judge's fault that, yes, you know, right, whatever. Right. And we don't need to get into any philosophy. No, no, no. Yet. But, you know, I think it's great. It's great for yeah. people who have judged a long time and people who are just getting into it ha- to have that conversation and talk about what it really means to be an adjudicator yeah. and how a- it plays such an important role in the growth of the activity and, and what we do and how the c- activity continues to develop and change. And I think it's really important. Yeah. And I'm, it's very impressive also to see people who have judged for a long time and who have made adjustments with Made how they perceive things and they've grown with the activity. And so they you know what? That means it's possible, right? Yes, that everybody of can do it. Yeah. And they understand that the activity that they judged way back when they first started is not the same, same activity now. <laughs> I mean, this is year 15 for me of judging. And even in those 15 years, which I know is relatively short compared to some other folks, but you know, we Not also, enough. you know, there's a person out there, his name is Eric Smith, who just finished his last year of judging this year. Uh-huh. He judged a thousand shows. Wow. He kept a journal, okay? He wrote down, you know, where he was, what he judged. He judged for several different circuits. A thousand shows. And we'll be having him on. I hope so. I love to. I love to. We really need to talk to Eric because he's he's a wonderful person and has mentored me in a lot of ways too. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we're going to, we're going to send everybody back out onto the field. Well, maybe not the field. I guess maybe we'll be sending everybody out to the street to get into the parade block, to get rehearsing for the holiday parades that I'm sure will be coming up very soon <laughs> for all of you. So oh, yeah. we'll be right back after this break to do a remaining groups of fantastic moments from this entire first season of On a Water Break. Hey, this is Christine Ream and Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hey everyone, I'm Lexi Duda and I'm the host of On a Water Break in Ryan Stones. I've grown up a competitive baton twirler winning numerous world titles and now I'm a coach. I want to bring to you stories from twirlers from all over. So grab a water break, listen in, because you won't want to miss some of these incredible experiences these twirlers have had. All of this coming up and more on On a Water Break in Riot Stones. Okay. 
Okay, put those Santa hats away. Get rid of those jingle bells. Put them in the box for the holiday parade. We'll get back to those in a couple of weeks. Um, we are back with the top moments from On a Water Break Season 1. Our next moment is from an amazing person um, who is now an award-winning drill designer, visual coordinator, uh, Miss Lindsay Schuler from The Troopers. So let's take a little bit listen to that clip of that interview. It, it was kind of interesting for me to see, and, and I don't know if it's correct or just correlation, causation, any of these things, but it was kind of interesting that like the higher in placement we were, the fewer girls there were. Um, That's really interesting. And yeah, that is an it, interesting observation. And and it was it was it something you were cognizant of at the time? Like, did you or were you like, yeah, whatever, I'm just here to play? Yeah, it, I mean, in a little bit of a way, mostly because like my uh, my age out summer with Crown, there were eight girls total in the horn line of 80. So like we're 10 percent. Yeah, um, and, and so we all knew each other. We all knew. I would imagine, yeah. Y- you know, it's uh, that's just kind of a thing. You you know each other. You have that one little thing in common that most, very, very much, most of the horn line does not. Um, True. Yeah. So it did never you, was. Did, did you feel like you were issue or anything that's weird? That was be my you idea. know, it, mm-hmm. it was just something that was like, oh, huh, interesting. Right, a little bit of a head scratch. A little bit like, hmm, this is interesting. I mm-hmm. wonder why. I'm going to keep playing my part. I'm going to do my thing and yeah. you know, knock it out every time. And there could be a whole bunch of variety of reasons that could be a totally different percentage at a similarly placing drum corps. Like sure. blue devils was very back and forth with us around that time. I don't know what their percentage was, but I just love her. So I, do love- I. <laughs> <laughs> I I like love her for the way that she um relates to um like the higher ups above her. I'm not the higher ups, but the people who inspire her. That's the yes, word I'm looking yes, for. Yes, sure. That's right. what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those people that inspire her and yes. how she really does see her role in in this male dominated world like oh absolutely yeah she recognizes that being a female um is is a big deal in in this world so i'm I'm super impressed i'm super yeah i felt like her interview was very inspiring i really you know related to a lot of things she was saying and i really enjoyed having her on i thought it was great that we had the opportunity to talk to her and um, I really enjoyed having her as a guest. Sure. Yeah, she was on during our during March, which was Women's History Month. Um, so that was great. We had a lot of great interviews that that month um, right. uh, with a lot of amazing women. I think another one that we had during that month coming up here in just a second. But before we get to that, we actually do have. Well, I look at our rundown right here, and, and the rest of our the rest of our moments are all about the ladies. Oh, <laughs> see, look at that. Look we at got that. It all I don't <laughs> Um, so this next, this next one is, um, our host, Ashley Amos is going to introduce, um, she is on staff with this person and marched under this person. Of course, I'm talking about Heidi Sarber from the university of Delaware, who will be retiring after this, uh, this, this year from the university of Delaware. So let's take a listen to Ashley. Hey everyone. It's Ashley from honor water break. I've had the opportunity to interview Heidi Sarver, who's the director of the University of Delaware Fightin' Bluehead Marching Band. I've also had the pleasure of marching in this ensemble when I was in college, and I've also taught with them for the past few years. I really love the family environment that's created from Heidi and the bond that the band has together to be one. Take a listen to this great clip from this amazing interview. Catch you on the next water break. You know, right off the bat, there is no question that when one is hired to create a band that has about 88 people in it, and you are given a timeline of having 200 members in the band by year five, you have 300 members in the band by year three. Um, so, you know, the milestone, benchmark, whatever you want to call it, that was a personal achievement that meant more to me than anything, that the students that came to University of Delaware bought into what I was bringing to the table, and they thrived upon it. Um, as far as accolades go and things like that, sure, we can talk about 
two presidential inaugurations, um, three football championship trips, Grand Nats for Bands of America, regional championships for Bands of America, Philadelphia Thanksgiving Day Parade. I mean, they're all on everybody's band list. Um, most bands do those things. Um, but for me, as I look back over it, I think the greatest achievement will be about you know 10,000 students that walk through the doors that I hope I had some sort of impact positively on their lives. Now, have you ever met Heidi? Uh, not officially. I mean, I've I've been in the same uh, space as her, let's say, you know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm of course aware of Heidi, yeah, um, yeah. and you know, find her to be a very inspiring person. A lot of folks that I know, you know, know Heidi well, and um, yeah, I mean, she's great. And and what it. Uh, a great role model for a lot of people. Um, it's very, you know, not very common to uh, find someone who is a female college band director. Those are few and far between. Um, you know, I remember when I was a, you know, college student getting to meet Paul, the great Paula Kreider, who is also, you know, kind of a pioneer when it comes to uh, women's being a, uh, a band director who is a woman. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it was I was really inspired by hearing more of Heidi's story, you know, and and hearing more about her and all those things she had to say. And, um, you know, it was it was really great. I'm so glad that she joined us. You know, yeah, Heidi, Heidi is amazing. She's kind of very um, loud in a very quiet way i guess i want to say like if i can um be so bold um because she she doesn't need to do a lot to to be an impressive force uh in a space she's just her energy is just impressive um and you know she has taught a, a a thousand million drum majors through the through the drum major camps that she has worked with for for years and years. So her leadership skills are like beyond on point. And um, the University of Delaware has turned out some amazing sure. shows and amazing programs and amazing accomplishments um, since they have uh, since she has been at the helm. So right. somebody who's taking that over has got some big shoes to fill. Absolutely, uh, and yeah. I know you know I remember she did mention you know she wants to kind of take a little time to mm-hmm. you know just rest and things like that but i really predict that she's going to be continue to be involved in definitely. some some meaningful way you definitely, know definitely. She, she will continue to have an impact on what we do so that's mm-hmm. that's a great thing absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yes so um i think another one of the interviews that we had uh was with another great female deb confredo right Yes. And yeah, I loved this one too. This is a person that I, you know, really didn't know much about until we um, had this interview. And I was just thrilled to get to hear a lot of the things that she had to say. And as a female, being me being a female public school educator myself, you know, a lot of the things she had to say were very inspiring to me and um, very encouraging too. And I thought it was remarkable a lot of things she had to say. I was really, you know, impressed with what she had to say about things like where we're going yes. in music education and where we're going in the marching arts and pageantry. And she I is very was, smart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what a All great right, well, let's person. take a listen to that. Yes, let's take a listen. The moment that I heard myself play with other people, I thought, oh, this is this is like magic. Isn't it cool? I remember that feeling too. Yeah. 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 Total magic. And so, um, and then at that point, then I had moved to the, to the, uh, to the next level band and I changed band directors. And I remember telling that band director, I want to be a band director, just like you. And he, and he, and I remember this, like it was yesterday, he turned to me and he looked down because he's a lot taller than I was. And he just laughed and he said, sweetie, it's a man's world. And he turned around and he walked away. Yeah. Uh yeah, as a as okay. a junior high kid. My jaw is dropped. I just because yeah. this is an audio platform, so I'm just letting everybody know. Yeah. My jaw is in my lap. Like, yeah. Wow, that must have been so. Well, obviously, it was very powerful because you remember it to this day. I I remember where we were in the room. I remember what I was wearing. Sure. I mean, I remember everything about that moment, and it was it was pivotal because I thought to myself. The first thought was, 
how can this possibly be? <laughs> there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing about being a band director that has anything to do with whether I'm a girl or boy. Right. And then, I, and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And that, and at that point, my mother or father will tell you I was very defiant as, as a child. Um, <laughs> I just made up my mind that, and maybe part, you know, way back in somewhere in the subconscious of my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to do this just to prove him wrong. <laughs> Um, well, here's some little inside tea. After that interview was over, uh, Beth and I were talking with Deb very briefly. And Deb, if you're listening to this, we did not forget, Beth and I did not forget what you said to us um, about getting together and getting our um, our educational fingers into the NAFME world of, of color guard education, maybe some travel planning education, because as as one of the things that you know, of course, um, Christine, being that you, you know, working with working together at Guard Closet is that a lot of us is, are educating the future instructors. Oh, and yeah. You can't go to school for that. There's no college class that teaches you no. how to measure your kids or how to deal with band parents or how to wait a flag or, you know, how yeah. to do any of the other million things that marching band people have to do. Sure. And so we talked to Deb about how how Beth and I can get in there and you know, <laughs> wiggle our fingers around in that yeah, space. So. It's, it's definitely a need. And, you know, we did talk about that college marching band experience. Okay? Yes, yes. So you have to remember that at times in certain situations, there is a bit of a divide in what happens at the college marching band compared uh-huh. to what is expected at the high school <laughs> level. Okay? Yes. Right. And, yes. you know, we have fantastic music education programs out there turning out top-notch teachers. However, one of the things that has been a challenge for a long time is to really make sure that you know people coming out with music education degrees are really equipped to be successful in the marching arts and in the pageantry you know, expectations that their programs have established. Yes. And they could be from a particular background and then end up in a job that has expectations that are quite different from their background. Yes. So, you know, there's a learning curve there and that's a really important thing to address. And I think, you know, there's, there's some folks out there making a lot of good efforts to share information and, you know, share their experiences and expertise with others. But, you know, there's still, there's always room for growth there. We are one of those people that is sharing our expertise um, and not just in the generic how to wait a flag because Tim Hinton, one of our partners over at Marching Arts Education, does an amazing job with all of those educational things. We want to educate you on things like our next clip. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd like that transition. Um, So I'm going to let I'm I'm going to let Tom introduce this clip of this amazing uh, viral star viral social media star that we had on recently who um is just blowing up all over the place so take it (laughs) away tom hello everyone this is tom and welcome to on a water break we've got dorothea taylor she's been on jimmy fallon she's jammed out with quest love has a passion for the marching arts if you haven't seen her she's on tiktok she's on youtube She can throw it down on a drum set. She can throw it down on a drum pad. She's got chops galore. Looking forward to this one. Grab your popcorn. Get ready. Here we go. Oh, kind of by the conversation, I answered that one text, and then I got another one back, and she said, you know, she's with The Tonight Show, (laughs) and uh, we're having a, a grandma thing, and we'd love for you to come, and it's like next week. I think they called me on Thursday and I had to be there Monday. So there wasn't like a whole lot of time. But then when I got there, that's when we came up with with uh, the drum battle with with. Yeah, that was so sweet. I was uh, I was like gleaming with joy. I was like, I can't imagine how (laughs) happy this person is right now. So when yeah. you got there, how did how did things kind of roll with being on Jimmy Fallon? Did they like like what what preparation did they give you? How did all that sort of look? Kind of walk us through that. Well, I got there and walked in the hall. A girl met us down downstairs, uh, you know, right on whatever big street that is in New York. 
Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Took us up to the floors there in that NBC building and walked down the hall to my green room. And as I'm walking <laughs> down, I'm passing the guys from the Chili Peppers. I'm seeing Chad Smith putting his <laughs> drums in his road cases. Holy heartbeats. <laughs> Um, I actually had to go back and listen to Dorothea's interview uh, a couple of times when she was talking about Jimmy Fallon um, uh-huh. and, and all of that because I was like, wait, what? Like, I mean, I've done TV. I understand it's all pre-recorded. Like, yeah, you know, sure. like, yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, girl, I understand all of that. But like to know that you were you recorded and you were home. <laughs> yeah. Like by the time that it aired, it's like. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, sure. what? Wait, what? <laughs> That's one of the best parts of that story. Yeah, it really yeah. was. But I think one of the greatest things there is that it's another wonderful example of seeing the marching arts be highlighted in mainstream, you know, entertainment, yes. mainstream culture, yes. all these sorts of things. I mean, how often I think sometimes when we're out in public, okay, it's and, you know, my husband and I kind of joke about people who are civilians. Right, okay? right, right. We right. call them civilians. Okay. These are people who are not marching arts people. Oh, who is that? Oh, it's who's, are they a civilian? Oh yes. yeah, they're a civilian, right? right. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, it's wonderful when we can go out into the mainstream and we can talk about ourselves as marching arts people and not feel like we have to explain ourselves a whole right. lot. You know, right. when we're talking right. to the civilians, right. we don't have to say, oh, well, you know that, uh, no, 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 it's drum corps. No, it's not marching band. Oh, right, wait, no, right, it's right, not right, this. Right. And, you know, that whole it's thing. It's inside. There's, yeah, there's a, yeah. Yeah, all of the things you have to get into and explain. Right. No, right. she, no, she's, she's, she's pretty fantastic. She and is. She's yeah. She fantastic. is. And if and if you all aren't are not out there following Dorothea Taylor and you did not listen to that interview again, that is one that is one to listen to. I mean, that's essentially what we're doing here uh, with this episode is giving you like the highlights. Now you should go back and listen to all of them, of course. But these are definitely the <laughs> these are definitely the ones um, you should have downloaded and listened to all the time. Sure. Um, so we have one more moment from the season and we are going to let our main host introduce this one and before we let her introduce this one i do just want to say a very lovely and sincere appreciative thank you to jackie uh brown uh who is just a lover of this activity Mm -hmm. and a cheerleader of this activity beyond anybody I've ever seen. She is literally everybody's cheerleader. She wants to see everybody be successful. She wants to see everybody's story highlighted and it really couldn't be anybody else being like sort of the main moderator. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Whitney Goldberg of sure. um, on a water break, you know, um, yeah. uh, the Meredith Vieira for if you go back that far, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Rosie O'Donnell for a brief moment. <laughs> But she just puts in so much time, too. You know, she puts in a lot of time and, you know, she puts in a lot of care and, you know, uh, attention to detail into what is happening with the podcast. And it's very, very remarkable. And it's wonderful to have her. Um, You know, she is a gem. And it's it's definitely been a, a, a really positive thing. And, and I can't tell you how many times out there, people, that I've, like, had to text Jackie or be like, I need you to re-record this one part because it was <laughs> this like, so can you just switch this to the... Da, 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 da. Sure. Like, Hold on. It doesn't have to be on video, right? I don't need my hair and makeup, do I? You know? <laughs> That's the magic of podcasting. Right, right, right. You right. up in your pajamas and right, it's right, no big right, deal, right, you know? Right. Well... <laughs> Well, Jackie, Jackie unequivocally says this is her favorite moment of the season. Um, and it was her interview um, with Anne, who was sort of the yes. interview with and about Peggy Twig. So sure. Jackie, take it away. Hey, y'all, it's Jackie. I have been thinking about my favorite moment from the first season of the On a Break podcast. And I just cannot get over the fact that I had the conversation that I did with Ann Fields. If you haven't listened to it, definitely go back and listen to that one because she is one of the absolute best friends of Peggy Twiggs, who is the originator of the ever popular Peggy spin that we do in Color Guard, something that I learned my first year of drum corps and have used 
so much in performance since then. Anyway, I have to give a huge shout out to Sadie Wallace for making that happen because seriously, without her help, I would never have been able to accomplish that wonderful conversation that I had with Anne. Just talking about Peggy, where she came from, all of her sort of origin story, and really about the history of Color Guard. You know, we wouldn't be here where we are today if it wasn't for these incredible people who put in the work and built the structure of our current situation. So thank you so much. And yeah, enjoy this clip from that episode. Peggy's two brothers joined the Reverend Senior Corps and I was in the Senior Corps and um, Peggy was in the Junior Corps at that time. I asked her what she carried and she said a flag and um, she was a flag because she wasn't good enough to be a rifle. And I Ooh. think that attitude among the uh, I think Peggy that's why she was such a wonderful flag instructor she changed a lot of people's opinions on what was the best piece of equipment to be on and what may have the most effect but um so I've known Peggy and then we went on to the 27th Lancers uh we were in the original core 1968 and um, we taught together from 19. She started teaching in 1974. I was teaching from 71 to 78. And she continued on with the Lances and then went to cadets. But we've always maintained our friendship. And we. Um, I think that's one of the amazing things that this podcast specifically has really explored that I don't think any other podcasts in our activity certainly have really grasped onto is this history yes. side of, yes. of our activity. And yeah. we've had so many people on talk about so many historical Absolutely. things. Um, and we just want to continue that on um, and and have more of those types of people on to really get this uh, recorded history of our yes. activity because it's important then, you know, those people are not going to be around and we're going to lose those stories and how this began and how, you know, it moved from point A to point B. I mean, you talk about somebody like Dan Smith, you talk about somebody like Julian Williams, like, right. you know, you talk about, you know, Peggy Twiggs, you know, and like yeah. we talk about all of these amazing, amazing people, Sadie Wallace, like all these people that we've interviewed um, and talked to and the hundreds and hundreds that we haven't, that we want yeah. to talk to. Oh yeah. Yeah. There are so, so many people people out there that we really it's almost like you know let's start getting the list ready I know and let's start booking them because there are a lot of people that I would love for us to hear from and be able to talk to you know and it's interesting when you get out and about at shows you know you run into somebody you talk to somebody sometimes you don't actually realize who you're talking to Yes. At some time, at, at some points you know what I mean like all of yes. a sudden you're like this person yes. is talking about this or that and it's like wait a second huh you yeah. were there for that? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> or you were in that ensemble? Right. Wait, are you serious? You know, right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. And, right. And, right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of folks that I would love for us to be able to talk to and to share their stories and share their experiences. And, um, you know, that's that's what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited to move into season two with you and everybody else. Um, we have a lot of exciting things that you don't even know, Christine, are coming. Uh, <laughs> it's like it always is, right? Uh, it's not always that way. But you're like the first person to know. Um, um, so lots of, lots of fun things um, going to be coming for season two. We're already working on a lot of great interviews, as Christine said. If you out there are you know, know somebody that we should talk to or an amazing story that we should highlight. Um, we please email us at on a water break podcast at gmail.com. Um, we would love to, to hear from you, um, get all of the amazing updates from everybody. Um, and we will have lots more amazing episodes coming soon. Um, it's going to be winter guard season time very soon. Um, and we will be diving into lots of those things. I want to say special thank you to, um, all of our sort of sub bonus podcasts that have been going <laughs> yes, on. That's right. Our spinoffs already. Our spin you know? already. Yeah. Yeah, we had 
Um, you know, Stephen McCarrick will be back this winter with some of his performer spotlights. I'm sure of it. Um, Cindy will be back in from the stands with her parents and all of that. Um, we have Lexi Duda doing uh, On a Water Break and Rhinestones. I know she's got more episodes coming out very soon. Cynthia with On a Water Break Lost in Translation. Um, she's got her amazing episodes. And there are lots of things still in the works coming, I promise. <laughs> There is just so much. And There's just can- so much we want to talk about. So, so I'm, I really, I want to say thank you again to you, Christine. You've been amazing. Uh, thank you to Steven, um, who's been amazing. And in the background, of course, Jackie, who we spoke about earlier. Uh, I want to thank all of the hosts. I mean, if you like, obviously there would be no, you know, on a water break without the on a water break uh, hosting panel. So, you know what though? I think there's something important we need to point out here. Okay. You've been throwing out all these wonderful accolades and these thank yous and you're absolutely right. But this whole crazy thing wouldn't be happening unless you had to come up with this idea (laughs) and it convinced the rest of us to do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm really good at that. (laughs) Well, you are very good at that. You're very good at coming up with ideas and then convincing other people that we're going to do this. And you really fit a really great driving force. And yes, we know that there are many marching arts podcasts and, you know, it's not our goal to like, you know, outdo them or anything. It's our goal to just be continue to, contribute to this community, contribute to the conversation. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished in this first year. And again, it wouldn't be existing at all if you didn't come up to uh, several of us and say, we're going to do this thing. <laughs> like, well, huh? I mean, truly, <laughs> truly, the idea of the show was to do exactly what it's become and have this amazing round panel discussion of different people from different backgrounds talking about the marching arts. It's the view. It's the, it's the talk. It's the, whatever (laughs) it is for the marching arts, like that's what it is. So I just want to say everyone, thanks for a great rehearsal this week. And for the whole first season, Um, thank you to our hosts, Ashley, Trevor, Cindy, Beth, Cynthia, Stephanie, Theo, Stephen, Christine, our amazing producerist, uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, um, Tom, Whitney, Justin, Nicole, Trish, Alicia, uh, Ashley, Tim Hinton, who's been on all of our guests. Thank you, Jackie Brown. Thank you, everybody, everybody, everybody for the first season. It's been amazing. Um, I don't know how else we could top it but here we come season two just wait we'll figure something out we'll figure something out so (laughs) go subscribe write us a review and share this with a friend follow us on social media at on a water break and we'll see you at the next rehearsal on a water break go practice